Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. rabbi. The word for field in Hebrew is sadeh. Rabbi Shimshon Raphael Hirsch, who paid special attention not just to the meanings of words, but also the sounds and construction of words, noticed that the word sadeh is similar to the words tzadeh, which means to hunt, and shadeh, which is to breastfeed. And he observed that the sounds of these three words, tzadeh, sadeh, shadeh, represent a progression in sound from the most harsh sounding tsade through sade to shade, which is the least harsh sounding. And he observes that these three words represent three ways of gaining nourishment, hunting, farming, breastfeeding, and that the shift in harshness between them represents the harshness with which that form of nourishment would be gained. Thus, tsade, hunting, is the harshest. Shade, breastfeeding, is the least harsh. And in the middle is sade, the field and farming. So farming and the field is a way to gain nourishment that is neither the most harsh nor the most easy. It lies somewhere in the middle, not so harsh and grueling as hunting, but not so kind and generous and warm and loving as breastfeeding. The field is in the middle. It is not so safe and controllable as the home. It is not so wild and untamable as the wilds, as the wilderness. It, it can be domesticated, but barely. Unlike a garden, which we will explore in the future, the field is very much subject to the elements, very much dependent upon rain. It is very much determined what can grow and what cannot grow in a field. And yet, it is a place that can be plowed, it can be worked, it can be squared and shaped. It can have rows and lines. It can be planted intentionally. This sense of the field as a space in between, as neither too wild nor too tame, is reflected in a passage in the Talmud, Pesachim 88a, which 
wonders about the verse, V'halchu amim rabim v'amru l'chu v'naleh el har Hashem el beit elohe Yaakov. This is from Yeshaya, Isaiah, that has the nations saying, Let us go and rise up and ascend to the mountain of God, to the home of the God of Yaakov. And the Gemara wonders, Elohe Yaakov, Elohe Abraham v'Yitzchak. Why the God of Yaakov and not the God of Abraham and Yitzchak? And it answers, Ela loka Abraham. It is not like Abraham, Shekatu Bohar, about whom it is written, a mountain. Shenemar, because it says about Abraham, Asher Yeamir Hayom Behar Hashem because it says about Avraham that God is to be seen on the mountain. Veloki Yitzchak, and then it is also not like Yitzchak. Shekatubo Sadeh, about whom it says field, as it says, Vayitze Yitzchak Tasuch Basadeh, and Yitzchak went out to talk in the field. Eleke Yaakov, rather like Yaakov. Shekrao Bait. By Yaakov it is called a house, a home. Shanamar, because it says about Yaakov, and Yaakov called that place Beit El, the house of God. These three towering figures, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, each of them had a specific and unique experience of the divine. And those experiences of the divine were given, as it were, topographical or geographical names. Abraham experienced God as a mountain. He climbed. He did something very, very difficult. Yaakov called his experience of God bait. It's a home. He was perhaps the most domestic of the Avot, and much of the story of Yaakov revolves around his home and his ability to navigate the challenges of building a home and a family. And there in the middle is Yitzchak, Yitzchak has a sadeh. He has a place in the middle. It is not as difficult to scale as a mountain, and it is not as domestic as a home. It is there in the middle. And appropriately, this sense of association of the field with Yitzchak is accurate. Yitzchak is the middle stage. Yitzchak is the one who brings the energy initiated by his father Avraham, located on the top of a mountain, and begins to bring that home. He begins to bring the wild energy into the house. He doesn't ultimately reach that, nor does he succeed in bringing peace to his home and peace between his sons, Esav and Yaakov. But he begins the process, and he is therefore the master of that space in between, the master of negotiating the two spaces of mountain and home together. And as we will see, the directionality, the specific trajectory of bringing that which is wild towards the home as opposed to bringing that which is home towards the wilderness, the bringing of the wild towards home 
and the direction of home. That is Yitzchak's work. And we will see this play out quite clearly in the ways that Yitzchak's sons, Yaakov and Esav, interact with the field. Already from birth, Esav, his elder son, is identified as an ish yudeyatzaid, ish sadeh, a man who knows how to hunt, a man of the field. And it could be that this explains the mysterious resonance that we find between Yitzchak and his son Esav, even though we, the reader, at least colored by the commentary of our tradition that Esav was in fact an evil person. It remains therefore mysterious when we read Yitzchak loved Esav, specifically because his hunted game was in his mouth, meaning that Esav was feeding Yitzchak with this game that he was bringing in from the field. It makes sense that one man of the field, Yitzchak, would resonate with another man of the field, Esav, while the other brother, Yaakov, is a man who lives in a tent. He is or seems domestic or domesticated. Later, when Yitzchak is blind and he senses that his death is pending and he wishes to bless his son Esav before he dies, he says, My son, I am old. I do not know when I will die. Now take up your weapons and your bow and go out to the field and hunt for me and bring it to me and I will eat in order that my soul will bless you. This gesture makes sense. We would want Esav and his kochot, his capacities, to interact with the wilderness, to be brought back, to be brought back towards home, towards the possibility of integration into family life. Go out to the field, hunt for me, bring it back. I will bless you. This story is well known. Rivka, Yitzchak's wife, the mother of Esau and Yaakov hears the wishes that Yitzchak expresses to his son Esav. And she goes and finds her son Yaakov. And she said, Behold, I've heard what your father said to Esav, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me delicious food so that I will eat and I will bless you before Hashem, before I die. And then she tells her son, go, bring me goats. I will prepare it the way your father likes, and you can bring it to your father, and he will bless you before he dies. Yaakov asks the obvious question, my brother Esav is hairy, and my skin is smooth. Maybe father will touch me, and I will be outed as a liar, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. His mother assures him, your curse upon me, my son. Simply listen to me. Go and get those goats for me. And so he does, and his mother prepares the food. And additionally, she took the skins of the goats and put them on Yaakov's arms, so that if Yitzchak will touch him, he will feel like Esav, a hairy man. Wearing this strange outfit, bearing food, Yaakov goes in 
to his father's tent, his father, trying to ascertain that this is in fact Asaph, goes to feel his son, and then satisfied that this is in fact Asaph, he blesses him, and he says, Look, Re'eh, Re'ach b'ni, Kereach sadeh, Asher berecho Hashem. The smell, the fragrance of my son, is like the fragrance of a field that God has blessed. Yitzchak is satisfied that the son whom he wishes to bless has that aspect called sadeh, called field. This son knows how to interact with that middle space between mountain and home in a way that brings blessing. This is important. This is not just a field. This is a field that is blessed. Because we know that earth can be cursed all the way back to Adam. Cursed is the land on your account. It shall yield thistles and thorns, and you will eat grasses of the field. But if this dangerous in-between space, which is adjacent to the wild, to the wilderness, and could become a mountain, if this space can be blessed while maintaining its wildness, while maintaining its exposure to the elements, that is a good thing indeed. And that is the child whom Yitzchak would like to bless, upon whom he would like to bestow that blessing. But we're surprised. Esav was the man of the field. Esav was the one who should have been able to gather the blessing of the field. Why? Why Yaakov, a man who lives in a tent, a man who has to dress up as a man of the field in order to gain that smell? Why should he be the one who receives that blessing? Is it possible that Esav is so deeply identified with the field that he's not bringing it home? It's not like him to bring the field home. He's headed towards the wilderness always. He's always out there hunting. He's always doing tzadeh. His tzadeh is not headed towards shadeh. It's not headed towards comfort and love. It's not headed towards family and connection. It's always headed towards tzadeh. It's always headed towards hunting. He's not planting. He's not taking time to plant and to cultivate a constant source of nourishment. He's out there hunting, using his skills, but subject to the whims, subject to the unpredictability that hunting includes. Do we prefer one who is so wild and is trying to be tamed? Do we prefer someone who is domestic, headed towards wildness? God seems to indicate that the latter is the one that will receive the blessing of the field. And thus, the blessing of the field is afforded to one who is rooted in home, headed towards the wilderness, rather than one who is rooted in the wilderness, trying to come home. Like a child who is weaned and leaves the comfort of Shadeh, leaves the comfort of mother's milk, and heads to the world. 
This is the model that Yitzchak ends up blessing, though he did not know it. He blesses a person who is secure and established, consistent and stable, who then destabilizes that stability by heading out to wilder spaces. Like he himself, who left home to go walk in the fields, Yaakov is someone who has rooted himself so deeply in the values and in the love that is home enough to be able to head out into the fields to try to tame something which is as yet untamed and to bring it back, to bring it home, to bring it into that love. These are deep lessons and rich images. This image of a field plays out in so many ways, especially in Kabbalah, the field, the place where the mystics of Tzfat would go out to receive Shabbat, to go out into the unknown and to bring it home. Consider this the beginning of a conversation about an essential location that it behooves us to explore and to understand and to work with. Thank you.